the reading today is from Galatians 3, verse 23 to the end, which can be found on page 1170 of the Bible. Children of God, before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is the word of the Lord. So if you're able to do so, please do stand as Joshua brings our gospel reading this morning. Today's gospel is from Luke chapter 1, verses 57 to 66. This can be found on page 1026 of the Church Bible. Hear the gospel of our Lord, Jesus Christ, according to Luke. When it was time for Elizabeth to have a baby, she gave, her, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbours and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zachariah. But his, but his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. They made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened, and his tongue was set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbours were filled with awe, and throughout the hill country, of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what is this child going to be? For the, Lord was, for the Lord's hand was with him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Today's sermon, what has milled you got to do with political correctness? Okay, please have a seat and let's just pray before we start. Father, the whole mystery of law and grace lies before us. So open our hearts now to hear your word, we pray. Amen. Right, I'm going to get onto the mildew in a minute. I'm going to start with a story that my mum told me on the phone last night. I bought my cookery book just to remind me where I'm going with this, but this isn't the cookery book that the story is about. My mum's story is about the OXO book of meat cookery. And when my mum was engaged, she saved... Jude is nodding in recognition. <laughs> Do you remember it? It's got like spiral plastic binding and a glossy cover. Yeah. <laughs> she saved up the coupons and was very, very pleased with her new cookery book and went to see her prospective mother-in-law. And it was one of the first times that she'd met my, my dad's mother. 
And she proudly was ready to entertain the family with this new OXO book of meat cookery, to which my grand's response, and I can just hear her saying it in my head, is, oh, I can't abide people who learn from books. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't know how often you use your book these days. (laughs) You do occasionally. Impressive. (laughs) It's done well then. (laughs) Most of us, when we're learning something new, find how to cook whatever your, whatever your cookery book of choice is to be really helpful, yeah? When you're first starting out, my kids going off to be students get given how to survive on a student budget, cookery books, and they use them, and then they stop using them. Because once you get proficient, and I'm sure looking at June here in the front, that you often go into the kitchen and just get on with it and don't need to turn up the right page. Yeah. Because you've internalized the rules. You've kind of learnt the important bits and the less important bits. I can remember cookery lessons at school before domestic science was invented and way before food technology was invented, um, which was kind of when the men wanted to look in, wasn't it? And it all got technical. Um, In cookery lessons, we were taught how to do a quarter of a teaspoon and you had to put the baking powder or whatever in the teaspoon. You had to level it off with the knife. You had to... with the knife, didn't you? Yeah. If I'm cooking now, I quite often just toss it in, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) And I don't expect I'm the only one. Okay, changing tack slightly. Um, I don't know if any of you have learnt to drive recently. Think back to when you learnt to drive, if you learnt to drive. You were probably taught, as I was, the mysteries of parallel parking. You come alongside the car in front, the right distance from it. The back of your car is where the back of their car is. You turn a quarter, whatever it is, a quarter turn, a three-quarter turn that way. And when you get that angle, you go, uh, I can't remember, you straighten up. I have to say, I'm not the world's best parallel parker, but I can do it now, and I don't remember any of those instructions that were necessary in the beginning. And if you're teaching somebody to drive, if you're ever taking, I don't know if you ever take Tally out, you have to go back to think, right, what are the things that I do? Because it's there in your muscle memory, isn't it? And you don't, you don't have to go by the rule book again. Um, I was going to bring one of those driving test theory books, but I couldn't find ours, and They don't do them anymore. It's all online, isn't it? Um, So I haven't got any instructions to show you for learning to drive. But it becomes second nature when you've driven for a while, doesn't it? It just becomes what you do. And I don't know what your area of expertise is, but I bet you've all got one. You've all got something that in the beginning you had to study hard for, and now you just walk it. You just get on with it. Whether it's playing a musical instrument or driving or cooking or whatever, um, I have one more visual aid. I don't get very organised, but I always find it helpful to have something to remind me. Has anybody bought a new toaster recently? <laughs> yeah, have you? Have you read the instruction book? No. <laughs> I bought a new toaster. I have, this is the first time that I've even located the instruction book. Because we know how to use a toaster, we really don't need to know how to plug it in, and we don't need to know that you shouldn't immerse it in water. And, you know. <laughs> However, there may come a time when you need to know how to dispose of it. Or when you need to know, um, I don't know, you're taking it to another country and the socket needs changing. And then you may need to go to the instruction book. Alternatively, you could just ask Quinton, he'll do it for you. But 
but you will need perhaps to go back to the instructions and whether you solve life's problems by going on YouTube to find out how to open the washing machine door when it's jammed or by calling an expert like Quinton when your microwave's bust or whatever it is there are rules there is a code there are practices that are established and they're established over time and they're tried and tested and we can depend on them, we can rely on them what a relief, we don't have to be reinventing the wheel all the time all of these rules are made for us they're for our benefit they're not because if we haven't read the instructions our toaster's not going to work they're there in case actually sometimes I think when you read terms and conditions on things they're there to protect the company that's selling it to you but that's another story um, we don't have to abide by the recipe exactly it's actually okay to put in I don't know, red pepper instead of green pepper or whatever, whatever it says. The rules are made for us, not us for the rules. Which kind of reminds you of something maybe that Jesus said about Sabbath rules. The rules are made for us, not us for the rules. Otherwise, what a laugh life would be. It would be one long exam season, wouldn't it? It would be like, I've got to get it right. <laughs> I've got to do whatever it is correctly according to the rules and we can all get into that mentality especially I think sometimes it depends on the parenting that we had if you had a very critical parent who used to set you a very high standard of behavior maybe you're like me and maybe there may be no car in sight for a hundred miles but you still feel bad if you cross the road before the green man comes on maybe you still feel guilty if you tick the box saying you've read the terms and conditions when you haven't really Sometimes we can get in a difficult relationship with these instructions, these rules. And the same is true, I believe, of God's law. And that, if you don't take anything else away from today, is let's get this difference between law and grace. Because as was read in our first reading, we are no longer under the law. We are under grace. And that's a phrase that some of us who are Christians have heard a zillion times. And some people who might not have heard it before are thinking, what? <laughs> What's all that about? So we'll, we will go on and unpack that a bit. But all of these things are useful at times. They're all good frameworks for our life. But when Jesus' spirit is in us, where the spirit of, Lord is, of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we can grow up a bit. And we can sit a bit differently in our relationship to these things because we're at home now. The kitchen isn't such a scary place. We know how to throw a nice meat dish together or whatever it is. Because we're in a different relationship to this whole, whatever it is, driving the car. It's shifted. We have freedom. And I think there's something in that for us to think about when it comes to God's law that's really significant because grace is all about our unearned place in God's heart there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more there's nothing that we can do to make God love us less we can oh, bend the rules of course the Ten Commandments or even the Eleven Commandments are, <laughs> are important of course we shouldn't steal but 
let's just grow up. If somebody's stealing a loaf of bread to feed their family, and I'm not just talking about the 1830s when you got hung for it, if there are different situations, then we can forget that infantilized, oh, I must follow the instruction book. Because life isn't as simple as that as we know. And not only can we, but we should. We should grow up a bit about it all. And I'm not suggesting that we interpret things any old how. There are times when the church has said, well, hey, freedom in the spirit. And gone down a really unhelpful path and become like a cult and become abusive to people at the bottom of the heap. But there are also times when we've been too legalistic and it's become a straitjacket and we've lost the freedom that God has come to bring us. So we're always holding these things in tension and we're always, it's a bit of a balancing act. The church has always prioritised some of the law over other bits of the law. Which is where this comes in. Are you busy this week? Am I busy? Yeah, you're busy this week. Quite busy. Because I'm really worried because I need you to come and look at my bathroom because the grouting has got some mould in it. Would you do that? Would you be keen to do that? (laughs) (laughs) There is actually a law in Leviticus that says if you've got mildew, you should tell it to the priest. Yeah, fancy not known. There's all sorts of other strange things about wearing mixed fibres. Who's wearing mixed fibres? Oh dear. Quite possibly. There are laws of the land that haven't been repealed. Every able bodied male, this is another one for you, is supposed to report to Jodie every week so she can train them in archery practice. It's true. It's the law. (laughs) It's like you're not allowed to drive to church on Christmas Day and there are all sorts of other things that you can look up. Why do we laugh? Because we've got a bit of common sense about these things now. And we understand that a lot of those old Levitical laws were about hygiene. And those were the real serious issues of the day. That if you had a grain store and you found it had gone mouldy, you really needed to tell the community leader because it was a serious business and the whole village might face famine. So that's why in its time, it was a serious law. But now we can laugh about it because the world's moved on, things have changed. So here's the tricky bit. What are the mildew issues of today? What are the things that today we need to be grappling with and we need our spiritual leaders to be leading us in? I'm just having a look at the things that I've missed out, so bear with me a moment. Okay. I don't know what you would put at the top of the list of the issues that we're grappling with, but think about how the world has changed. Think about Holiday Club coming up. If you're helping out a Holiday Club, you have to have a um, DBS check now. In the old days... People trusted everybody because we're all nice church people. Now, I have heard 
a number of Christians get really hot under the collar about, oh, I'm so insulted, they want to check my criminal record. The same is true of um, health and safety staff, that if a light bulb needed changing, anybody could shin up a ladder. They didn't have to be you know, covered by the church's insurance because we had a bit of common sense. And these are laws that are going out in the world, but the church is also going down this path, isn't it? We've all had our GDPR letters. We've all been, you know, needing to take note of the fact that the world has changed. And we used to be able to trust each other with our names and addresses. But now that we're all drowning under huge amounts of email junk, now that we're all treated as consumers and commodities in the world, different rules have to come into place because the picture's changed. I've um, heard somebody recently having a bit of a rant about how everybody's traumatised these days. Back in the war, we didn't used to have all this counselling and we didn't talk about abuse and all the rest of it. Well, we could join in those conversations next time you're sitting on the bus or wherever having these, you know, hearing people spouting these kind of things. And perhaps we need to look at what's behind the laws that are changing. Why is the picture changing? And let's just do a bit of rejoicing, perhaps, that the people who were at the bottom of the pile are now protected And yes, it's all a bind and we're all encumbered by it all. And the pendulum will no doubt keep swinging, I expect. But isn't it good that people who were not listened to at all, people who were abused as children who walk among us now, we don't even know who they are, never saw justice, still carry the scars of it all. But hey... The situation's changing and the church is being held to account just the same as the rest of the world for mistakes of the past. So changing times do require a shift in the rules. The old ways of ordering society do need to change. And there is a bit of wriggle room. There's a bit of freedom for us to negotiate. We don't have to be getting it exactly correctly right every time because of the grace of God. Because as we heard in the reading, we're clothed in Christ When God looks at us and we're making a pig's ear of preaching the sermon or, I don't know, messing about with the microphones or whatever whatever it is that we're volunteering for out of the basket, stumbling over the words in the reading, God looks at us and sees Jesus and loves us to bits. And it's okay. So we can go with the flow. We can go with the 11th commandment. Hooray. But I just want to bring us to the second reading and think about John the Baptist. I don't know if you can remember now. The reading was about how when John the Baptist was born, there was a quibble about whether he was going to be called John or not. And what we see in that reading, you can look it up later, is a woman's voice being listened to. A whole load of family tradition being laid aside. New rules coming into play, new ways of doing things. And what we see in John, who then grew up to be the one that came after he'd been out in the wilderness, living right on the edge of things, came into society to the people who believed that because they were sons of Abraham, they had the genetic line, they had all the right blood in the system, 
that they had privilege and they could do what they liked pretty much. He came and told them to repent. He told them to get back to the rules. And he, poor John, always feel for John. He had, a, he had a rough time, didn't he? All his disciples defected and went off and followed Jesus, or most of them did eventually. Because having got back to the rules, they could then appreciate the amazingness of the grace and the freedom that Jesus was preaching and living, not just preaching. And I think that we need to listen to Jesus when he says that John is one of the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We need to listen to Jesus when he says, I haven't come to abolish the law. Not one jot or tittle, not one dot on the I or cross on the T. So you better come see my bathroom, actually. Anyway, we've got to struggle with these things. We're not children anymore. We've got to find a grown-up way of holding these things together. But Jesus affirmed that teaching that John had given and took us on from that to a place where we can sing jubilate, everybody, for the Lord our God is gracious his mercy is everlasting. I just want to say that, that I think there are seasons when doing things more by the book can be really, really helpful. And if you're at a time in your life, as many of us have been, where everything else is all at sea, sometimes that's when Christian rituals appeal much more. That lovely framework that we can relax into where we aren't going to be put on the spot or we're not wondering what's going to happen next in church this morning. The rituals of daily Bible study, whether you use the daily prayer app that Jodie was mentioning a week or two ago, whether you have your... Where's Trevor gone? Whether you have your... um, What's it called? My brain's gone. Daily bread, thank you, which Trevor will supply you with. He's waving one at us from back. Um, if you want to have a daily pattern. Because at times when we need that structure, it is there for us, and we need to make the most of it and appreciate it. It takes, They say it takes six months to form a habit. And maybe after those six months or however long, you may choose to relate to God differently because you wake up in the morning and you're automatically wanting to sing God's praises. But if that isn't you, then think about building those habits, because we do have to work on our habits, don't we? And collectively, we have to work on things like the political correctness, and it's a bind when we have to fall over the words and the hymns because they've changed. But why have they changed? And I speak as somebody who grew up knowing that mankind included me. You know, I knew that up here. But I also grew up in a world where being normal was being male, and being female was a bit different and when you stop and think about that you know the men get to wear the shoes that are foot shaped the women have to wear uncomfortable ones (laughs) Um, we have vicars and we have lady vicars (laughs) (laughs) do you dare me (laughs) so what I'm saying is that we've all grown up in that period of change in our culture and we're all working out where that is for us as a church and we can be grown up about it. And if we're singing hymns in an old people's home where people are you know, struggling with dementia, then let's stick with the old words. But if we're singing hymns to my kids, they might just get up and walk out, to be honest, because it's irrelevant to them if we're singing stuff 
that they, to them, it means something quite different to what it means to us. We have this fantastic painting here. I'm going to shut up in a minute, don't worry. Um, in its time, it spoke of the communion of um, all the angels, St. Michael and all the angels gathering together in God's glory. And that was the message that it was there for. Hooray, fantastic message. Now people come in and look at it and they kind of have questions about, well, about the women for a start and about all sorts of other aspects of it. Well, let's take these things in the spirit that they're given as gifts from God and let's move on and make sure that we go forwards under God's grace. Because the rules are made for us, not us for the rules. And let's get empathy for other people into our collective muscle memory so that everyone, however they identify themselves, is known, knows themselves to be a child of God. And yeah, jubilate, everybody. Let's get cooking! <laughs> Amen.